Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. The OG3 is here. We are going to talk about pain today. Talking to some people in the industry, had, had done some presentations, and this is a topic that came up lately. We've kind of skirted around it a little bit. Brad has told us about studies he's doing with dehorning and everything related to pain around that. But we haven't really got into the topic in general with both cows and calves on the dairy side and the beef side. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, we need an update from Bradley about how excited he is to jump in a car with his whole family and drive to Florida. Ooh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. We're going to go on some R&R, relaxing in Florida and trying to get my uh, wife and kids to go to the University of Florida dairy, you know, just because we can't like not do cow stuff, but nobody says they want to do cow stuff on vacation. So I don't know. We'll see. All the more reason to plan a a trip for the moose room we can do a little tour of the country hopefully it doesn't turn into the uh clark griswold uh you know cross-country vacation but we'll survive and it'll be it'll be a good uh, rest for us that sounds fun emily is also leaving me to go on vacation tomorrow where are you headed in i am going to dallas texas to visit my sister and the weather is supposed to be very nice and sunny and warm and lovely and that's wonderful. Not fluctuate every 12 hours like here. I'll be here. You are visiting we'll my favorite Kreckleberg in uh, Texas, right? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I know Monica's your favorite, Brad. The favorite. And then where are you headed? And then I am headed to Las Vegas for the North American Agricultural Safety Summit. That's so a great that place to, to have the, the conference, at least. Yeah, weather there looks even better. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm presenting a poster on some of my work, so it'll be good. Awesome. All right, well, let's get into the topic today. We're talking about pain. I was at a presentation not too long ago, and this topic came up. You know, what what can we give calves, especially calves that are scouring, that are painful? Because we all know that scours is painful, especially crypto. If there's anybody out there who's personally had crypto, like I have, it's painful. And so pain relief is definitely a big part of getting them eating again, making them feel better. And the answer really comes down to, we don't have anything labeled for pain. We have one drug in the U.S. labeled for pain, but it's labeled for pain associated with foot rot, and that's transdermal banamine. We just don't have very many options. And that, that's why we want to talk about, you know, what, what can we do? What are our limitations around this? What are the things that people are working on when it comes to pain? Get into some of the stuff Bradley's doing up at Morris. And just what are the options out there and why aren't there more? Because it is a huge topic. It's a big thing. We obviously want to take care of our animals and keep them from being in pain, especially when we know there's events that are going to cause them pain, like calving, dehorning, castration, those kind of things. There are a lot of studies that show us that if we give an anti-inflammatory medication like um, meloxicam around the time of calving, uh, we see a big increase in milk production, especially peak milk. And so there's a production benefit to doing that. And it's associated with the lack of inflammation or decreasing the inflammation around calving and decreasing the pain associated with calving. The problem is the drugs that are most effective are not labeled for use in the US. 
So it's extra label use every time we use them, which means that there is zero tolerance when it comes to withholding in the meat and the milk. And that, that raises our biggest issue. And so we have to be super careful about what we give and why and when. So before we dive into it, and Joe, you're already on your vet soapbox. So let's just continue that. And let's start with the why. And, and just from, from a veterinary perspective, uh, why aren't there more drugs labeled for pain management um, in the U.S. and especially for, for cattle? Well, unfortunately, the answer doesn't make us look super great. It's just a fact, though. The answer is that we haven't been thinking about pain control in cattle for a very long time. We have just relatively recently brought it to the front of what we, we think about. You know, we, we didn't even used to think about it when we dehorned or when we castrated. You just did those things. And cattle are tough, which they are super tough. They didn't show a ton of signs of pain, so we didn't think about it. And it's just, you know, really in the last 20, 30 years that we've really started to think about it. And really in the last 10 to 15 years where we've really thought about it a lot. So a lot of the things that we use are not labeled for, for pain. They're labeled for pyrexia or inflammation associated with something else, but they're not actually labeled for reduction in pain. So unfortunately, the answer for why we don't have a bunch of labeled products is that we just haven't been working on this topic for long enough to see those things come out and, and to hit the market. Do you see a future where there are drugs on market labeled for that type of use? I think it's possible. Now, the, the problem is that we also don't have great measures to show if cattle or calves are in pain. We, we don't have a good way to measure it most of the time. We can measure things that maybe are associated with pain or stress. And maybe Brad can talk to this a little more because he's doing pain studies right now. But and the reason that we can get labels for pain associated with foot rot is that we can use pressure plates to see how much pressure a cow is actually putting on each foot, right? And so we can see before treatment how, how much pressure was there and after. So there's a really definitive way to measure that. But how do I measure the pain associated with dehorning or the pain associated with castration? There's, there's things that we can do that kind of tell us or give us a clue to it, but they're not exact or exact enough. And I think that we are moving that direction, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to have probably labels that are associated with inflammation and, and maybe not pain, but at least they'll be labeled for something that we can use that's connected to pain. That, that's what I think is coming in the future. Brad, do you have a, any insight? I agree. You know, it's, it's, pain is a tough one. And, you know, I think about it from a consumer standpoint, and that's one thing that, you know, consumers are starting to see too about pain and making sure we're treating animals humanely. And so I think about pain a lot. And especially, you know, with our organic herd, there are some things we can use and can't use. We you know, banamine, uh, flunixin is one that we can use. You talked about transdermal banamine. Uh, that's, that's not allowed in organics, but we can use the, the injectable kind. We've been doing some studies here at Morris looking at trying to alleviate pain from disbudding of calves and how to measure pain. It's not easy. You know, it can take a lot of blood samples. We have some sensors, heart monitors on calves where we can tell things. Of course, yes, I always use sensors, you know. Put a sensor in it. 
That's right. Put a sensor in. It's the mantra of the podcast. Uh, but I, I agree. There's there's lots of things, and we we probably haven't thought a lot about it because we don't necessarily see that in calves. You know, you just dehorned a calf without pain medication, and you didn't see what happened to that calf three to four to five hours later that they were experiencing adverse behaviors or uh, something was happening in them. So we we need to be thinking more about that in the future. And you know, I think about it from a disbutting pack, but there's pain from lameness, you know, mastitis. There's pain from a lot of different health issues that are that are happening. I mean, the topic is so big that it's hard to cover it all today. So I think we're just kind of, we're just really scratching the surface because like Brad said, I mean, it's associated with so much more. We, we talk about calves a lot because we have predictable events that we influence. So we can we can plan our studies around them. Mastitis is one that's been studied extensively in Europe, and we see wonderful benefits from using things like meloxicam uh, that are labeled for cattle in the in the EU. There's a lot of information out there that says there's a lot of benefits. It's just what it comes down to is we have a lot of issues trying to figure out what what should the milk withhold be uh, on meloxicam and and how long is it does it take to be eliminated and especially because we know that there's a lot of differences depending on where that cow is in, in her lactation. We know, especially in early lactation, postpartum cows take a much, much longer time to eliminate meloxicam than cows that are in mid lactation. So there's so many complication factors to why we don't have a labeled product. The, the fact of the matter is though, that we need one. We absolutely need one. And right now we use meloxicam a ton when, especially in the calf side. And on the beef side as well, but it's all an extra label use. It's all prescription from your veterinarian to to make those things happen, which is just another complication, uh, another barrier to something that would be so beneficial to a lot of people. So it's really tough. And then it gets even harder, like Brad said, when you're working on the organic side and you're really limited to just flunixin and really flunixin needs to be given in the vein. It can't be given in the muscle. You're, you're, depending on an IV NSAID for pain reduction. I mean, it has to be IV'd and it's just one, another barrier to, to usage. So I, I think we just have too many barriers up to preventing pain or helping treat pain in our animals. And really it's, it's unacceptable at this point. And, and we need to be moving faster towards a, a solution. There's lots of people working on this. I'm not saying we're not, but there's a ton of people working on it, but it, it is a slow process. You, you have a good point about there's there's just not many opportunities for reducing pain. And I'm not entirely sure why, why we in the veterinary animal science world have not necessarily focused on that and have, have provided new products or, or things to sort of look at to, to help reduce pain. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that got pushed aside because there's, and, and we get it. There's so many other things happening on farms, beef farms, dairy farms, that pain and, and pain medication becomes one of the least certain aspects. But I think as animal welfare becomes more important uh, in many different aspects, pain and reducing pain and in increasing animal comfort uh, will become even more important. We need to, to, to be looking at things, researching things more to, to figure this out um, because it's not going to go away. It's, and you know, we're, we're on the national farm program as part of our dairy. 
you know, those are, there are a lot of questions about, uh, you know, if you, if you read it about pain mitigation and how to improve from disbudding and other things to make sure that the animals are comfort. So it's, it's in a lot of things. And I think if, you know, BQA certification and national dairy farm program, that's, it's all there and we need to be doing a, a better job at, at sort of mitigating those issues. Well, and the, the cool thing is that the research out there and the way people are trying to go about this uh, shows the benefit, not just from, you know, a lack of pain, but in a production. So when we look at, you know, weight gain after disbudding or weight gain after castration, or like I said already, milk production or peak milk yield after dystocia or, uh, or even just normal parturition. I mean, we have data that says that it's not just about animal welfare, which is the most important thing that we have, but it's also beneficial to production. So to me, I mean, we have all the information there and it's ready to go. The, the only thing that we really are, are trying to figure out is, is really the pharmacokinetics of everything and how things are moving around in the animal's body, depending on where they are in their production stage and, and, and how can we make sure that it's safe for uh, the product, the end product on the other end for people. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, you know, because in, in the organic world, I think about pain and the, the thing that we run to all the time is, is flunixin because that's we, we are allowed to use that. And um, I, I think about, you know, we, we, we've had some veterinary uh, aspects out here where we've, you know, utilized uh, animals to inject them and see what actually some of these uh, compounds can do to animals if you don't utilize them right. So that's another aspect to this, being able to utilize them correctly. Uh, so it actually mitigates the pain and doesn't cause other issues with uh, beef quality uh, issues. And flunexin can be quite nasty on, on you know, meat quality. So we, we, if we are using that, and we use it, we, we do use it out here in our dairy. We use it very sparingly. Uh, only on animals that really need it under veterinary supervision. It's, I, I think sometimes people can abuse uh, it and just use it for everything. And that's, that's not the intent. So uh, there's, we, we need to be using these compounds correctly too, for, for whatever we may be doing. And I think that's another important note too, somewhat on the piece of, of why we don't have products like this already available and approved in the U S and, and part of that is, yeah, we need to be doing the testing and the trials and making sure that people are using them correctly, which we know doesn't always happen, but we need to remember that all of this comes back to the health of the animal. You know, yes, there are production benefits potentially and, and other things and, and welfare concerns, but for me, it's just, it's a health issue for cattle. And so we need to be mindful of that as we're thinking about this. Bradley, I'm really excited to, to dive in a little bit to what you've been looking at in your research, uh, specifically with disbudding in calves. I know that there's some, some different non-traditional methods and things that you've been looking at and have tried. Can you just give us, give us the, the, the little overview of, of what you've been looking at and, and what you've been using uh, as a part of this disbudding study? Well, we've been looking at alternatives, you know, from an organic standpoint, uh, what, what we can utilize, you know, we did an early study looking at Salix or Salix extract, which is predominantly, it's, it's an aspirin, looking at how that can be used to reduce pain. And we also looked at flunixin. From the first study, flunixin works great. It reduces inflammation. We, we know that it reduces it quite rapidly. 
but there's many other aspects that go along with it. The Salix, it may have worked. It probably needs to be at a much higher level than we were using it at. And we were bolusing calves with Salix, so it uh, probably we need to bolus it at a higher level. Although if you bolus too much, you have gut aches and things like that. And then some more recent ones, we've been looking at lidocaine and along with Salix extract and some other products with apple cider vinegar and St. John's wort and Salix and, and those to try and reduce pain in, in disputting. And I think it comes down to a lidocaine works. It works well at the time of dehorning to reduce pain, but three to five hours later, it has this effect where it causes uh, behavioral aspects in animals that, you know, there might be some pain happening four to five hours later once the, the lidocaine works works off. You know, we've all been to the dentist before. We've had that Novocaine and it feels kind of funny and stuff. So there's something going on there with calves. And I think with the, the Salix, we just can't dose it at a high level enough to reduce the pain. It's just, you know, we, we, I can't put three pounds of Salix in, in a calf's gut to be able to make it work. In a nutshell, that's what we found. So Salix by itself probably is not the magic bullet. Especially when we know there's pain, it, it, whether we're treating or if we have a procedure that we know is going to be painful, it, it's a way to prevent problems in the future and try to decrease the risk of there being an issue associated with the stress that comes from pain. The industry managing pain is trying to be preventative. They're trying to get ahead of issues uh, and use safe products instead of having to turn to more serious drugs or surgeries or other things that might happen or complications that might happen because of just ignoring this issue. It is it's a super responsible thing to do to be for the industry to be worried about these things. And there's there's just not very many options. There's a lot of things we use, but there's nothing that's labeled. For, for most of the things that we run into. Before we get out of here, we should really run down the major list of things that are available just so everyone's on the same page. Banamine or Flunixin is one of them. It's an injectable product, needs to be given in the vein. It does have both a milk and a meat withdrawal. So something that you need to be working with your veterinarian, it's a prescription, something that you need to be working with them to give. And that is, as far as I know, the only thing labeled for organics, right, Brad? Yes. Then we have transdermal banamine, so something that we pour on our cows. It avoids the use of a needle, but not for use in lactating dairy cattle. That kind of limits where we can use it. It's also quite a bit more expensive than our injectable form. And then we have a product, we haven't really brought it up, but it is making more headlines now, which is called ketoprofen. Ketoprofen is making headlines because it's now uh, in a new product combined with an antibiotic that's out there. Again, expensive, not labeled for pain, it's labeled for pyrexia, which is a fever reduction of pyrexia. So again, not really labeled for pain, quite a bit more expensive. And again, that's a needle as well, injectable. And then we mentioned aspirin or Bradley mentioned something similar to aspirin. Aspirin in a monogastric animal, so in our calves, definitely could be of some use. But like Bradley said, maybe we can't get enough into the calf safely to make it work for pain reduction. And then in our, our ruminants, our adult cattle, it's just not bioavailable very much. It just, it just isn't, you know, we can give a bunch and, and we have to give a huge dose for it to have a, a significant effect. So at the labeled dose, maybe not effective. 
also has a 24 hour milk withhold. So that's important to note as well. And then we're finally to meloxicam, which I think we're all in agreement is the best option for pain in calves, especially. And then in cows, you just have to be careful because the withdrawal uh, is not really well established. So in closing, uh, my, my argument is that we need to be focusing on meloxicam because it's inexpensive and it works. And I, I would love to see it approved for organic use because of how well it works and how safe it is for the animals. And because it doesn't involve a needle, it's dosed orally uh, as a pill. That would be my push. Let's, let's try to get meloxicam approved and maybe just getting it approved for organic use might be the first step. What do you think, Brad? I agree. I agree. We need, uh, we need some alternatives for, for pain mitigation and we need, we need more in our toolbox. You know, we, we can't just rely on flunixin. It's, it's, it's not sustainable. And I'd also like to add, and, and I'm surprised I'm the one adding this and not the vet here. Um, but also just being mindful of the type of drug that it is, right? A lot of these ones we're talking about, you know, flunixin, meloxicam, et cetera, are NSAIDs, they're anti-inflammatories, but, you know, we can also manage pain. You know, Brad mentioned lidocaine and that's a local anesthetic. And so also just want to note that we need to be mindful of what these actual drug types are, you know, and, and what is their mode of action? How do they actually work? Um, that's a really important consideration to make as well. I totally agree with that, Em, because there are some other things in the toolbox that we just don't use very frequently because they're either incredibly expensive or they're something that we can't dispense as a veterinarian, but we might have available to us in the truck, things like that. And then there's all sorts of other options too. Like you said, with lidocaine, you know, at least temporary relief to the procedure itself is really beneficial. And then, you know, combined with an NSAID is even better. And then the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and then we'll wrap it up, the length of action is really what matters. Because when we look at the studies comparing meloxicam and flunixin or banamine, we just see that, that once a day dosing with flunixin is not enough to control pain. And if it's not enough to control pain with one dose, once a day dose, that means you're putting a needle into that animal multiple times a day to effectively control pain. And you got to hit the vein every time. It's just not a great option. And, and I always feel for the organic farmers when I say, you know, this is, this is really all we got right now. And so hopefully that can change. I think we've talked enough about pain. We've kind of just scratched the surface. We can definitely get into more of this if people want. It's time to wrap it up. Questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals, you can email us at themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 612-624-3610, and we may answer your question on an episode of the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at UMN Newsroom and at UMN Farm Safety. And you can find out more by visiting our website, extension.umn.edu. No promos for Bradley. Bye. Is, oh, is that my cue? That's you. You're the wrap-up person. Oh. But I don't, not always. I don't know. Uh, you you anyway. always are now because you keep oh. telling me that you're way better at it. And I was finally like, yeah, you're right. Do it well, every time. I am better at it. So That's with true. that said, if yeah. you have questions, comments, or skating. Uh,